Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you. If I could have just a few minutes of your time, I'd like to tell you a Bible story. It's found in the New Testament, book of Luke, chapter number 10. I want you to listen carefully, as carefully as you can. One day Jesus was teaching, and a man in the crowd stood up and raised his hand, signifying, I've got something I'd like to say. Jesus conceded the floor to him, said, okay. He had a question for Jesus, a question that is undoubtedly the most important question that any of us ever ask in the course of a lifetime. He said, teacher, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? Now, there's something you need to know about this guy, and there's something you need to know about his question. This guy was an expert on the Bible. He made a living studying the Bible, interpreting the Bible, and helping people know how to apply the Bible. You need to know this about his question. It was not a sincere question. In other words, he didn't ask the question wanting to know what he had to do. He assumed he already had the answer to the question. He asked Jesus in order to put Jesus to the test and kind of see where he stood theologically. So Jesus responded to his question with a question. He said, what do you think? You're an expert in the Scriptures. Having read the Bible extensively and having, having studied it carefully, and you know, I'm sure you've arrived at your own conclusions, how would you answer that question? And the fellow said, I believe it works like this. We're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves. Jesus said, good answer. Do that, and you'll have eternal life. Now, at this point, the fella does something that's kind of weird to me. The Bible said he chose to justify himself. Ronnie, what does that mean? Uh, it means that when Jesus said, do this, this biblical expert thinks Jesus is implying in front of everybody in the room that he doesn't do that. So in order to justify himself, he, he asked Jesus another question. I, can, I believe it was smug, Danny. <laughs> Who then is my neighbor? You've got to understand the circle this guy ran in, this is what he believed I'm supposed to love people who are just like me. That's what he believed. His whole circle believed that. Now, he was Jewish, so he believed, I'm only obligated to love Jewish people. And he apparently studied the Bible so that he could try to live righteously. So his belief was this, I'm not obligated to love anyone that's not pursuing righteousness to the degree that I am. In other words, if you're not a Jew and if you're not and if you're if you're immoral, I don't have to love you. You're not my neighbor. 
Now, he asked Jesus, who then is my neighbor, fully expecting Jesus to say, anybody that's Jewish and trying to live righteous. He expected that Jesus was going to say, you got it. Jesus said, I need to tell you a little story. One day there was a Jewish man that left Jerusalem, headed down to the town of Jericho. Literally down. I mean, you, went, you, you lost 3,300 feet in elevation between Jerusalem and Jericho. It went, through the, it went through rocky, mountainous terrain. It was just a network of switchbacks. It was a perfect place for thieves to hide and ambush people as they traveled. And Jesus said one day there was a Jewish man went from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and guess what? He encountered some bandits along the way. They robbed him of everything he had, including stripping the clothing off of him. They beat him to the point that he was at the edge of death, and they left him lying on the side of the road to die. Now, that's some bad fortune, isn't it, Brian? I mean, he's running into some misfortune on his little journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Jesus said, by chance, somebody came along. It was a priest. Can you see? I can't imagine Jesus. He's getting his point across. The guy's misfortune and bad fortune had turned to good fortune. Yeah, he, ran, he encountered bandits and now he's, he's been beaten and robbed and he's left for dead. And Boy, of all the luck, who would come by? It's the preacher. He knows God. He knows the Word. And the Bible said that the preacher looked at the man, saw the condition he was in, and he just kept walking. You go, what? That's what Jesus tells you. The preacher just kept walking. Matter of fact, he switched sides of the road. He went to the far side of the road, avoiding this man, avoiding the situation, and just kept walking. I guess he had a deacon's meeting, and, you know, those deacons really raised Cain if he was late or he missed it, or, you know, maybe he had a counseling session and somebody was waiting on him. I don't know. Maybe they're having a fried chicken supper, and you just, you just can't pause here and take care of this. I got to keep moving. He was left lying there. Let me tell you what. The man's good fortune continued. Guess another guy came along. You know who it was? In the Bible, some translations called him a Levite. They were actually kind of like an assistant pastor. A, a, a priest associate. Hot dog. I mean, you know, you had a preacher come by. Now you've got an assistant preacher comes by. And the Bible said that he walked over and took a look at this man. And apparently he took a look, a very close look at this beaten, dying man. You know what he did? He crossed the road. And he kept walking. I don't know. Maybe the preacher was ahead of him was his boss, and he knew, I better get there. He's ahead of me. Whatever his reasons, he just kept walking. Left the man lying there. In a little while, a third man came by. 
And the Bible describes him as a despised Samaritan. This is a Jewish man in the ditch. The priest was Jewish. The temple assistant was Jewish. And along comes a Samaritan. And he's, called, he's described as a despised Samaritan because Jews hated Samaritans. Hated them. The Samaritan sees the man lying in the ditch. And he went back to his donkey. Opened up a pack. He got out some wine. I know what you're thinking. They're going to tie one on here. At least drunk in the man so he doesn't feel anything. Get the man drunk. No, look, got some wine, got some oil, and got some cloth. And he used the wine as antiseptic to clean his wounds. He used the oil in the hopes of soothing his pain. And he took this cloth and he bandaged up this man's wounds. Then he picked the man up. The Bible said he put the man on his donkey. And so now the Samaritan is leading the donkey with the man on it. He takes him all the way into town. When he gets to town, he goes to a motel. And he gets a room for the night. He takes the man in and he cares for him. He tends to him all night long. Now he's used his wine, his oil, his cloth, and now he's using his money to pay for the room. Apparently, by morning, it appeared that this man was kind of coming out of critical condition. So the Samaritan goes to the innkeeper and said, uh, here's the deal. I'm gonna, and he gave him a considerable amount of money. And he said, you let him stay right here. As a matter of fact, you, you give him anything he needs. You make sure he gets adequate care. And if the price exceeds what I've given you, when I come back through, in other words, they must have known each other and he knew, I can trust. He said, when I come back through, I'll tell you what I'll do. If it's cost any more than I've given you, you can count on me to cover that. And the Samaritan left. Then Jesus looked at this expert in the Bible and he said, which one of those three guys was a neighbor to the man in the ditch? And this expert said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Got it? Now, what do we learn in this story? I think there's a ton to be learned in this little story. I mean, Jesus is answering questions like, you know, what do you got to do to inherit eternal life? Who is you? I mean, Jesus is answering some big questions. So there's a lot that could be learned. But there's one lesson that just really stood out to me this week that I know that we've got to talk about today. Here's what I learned. Love is selfless. Jesus shared the story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate what love looks like. And according to Jesus, here's what love looks like. Love is selfless. People who love their neighbor as they love themselves will put the needs of others ahead of their own wants. Now think about this for just a moment. Think about the Samaritan. Why do you suppose he was on the road that led from Jerusalem to Jericho? Why do you think he did that? Because I think I know. Why do you think he was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho? I think I know, Matt. 
because he wanted to. Huh? I think he was doing that because he wanted to. I don't think the Samaritan left home thinking to himself, and I don't think he turned to his wife and said, I think I'm going to walk down to Jericho. There could be somebody on the side of the road down there that needs me. I'm going to go see if I find anybody in the ditch maybe that needs me. I don't think that happened. I think he was en route to Jericho because that's where he wanted to go. Perhaps he was meeting his buddies for a golf weekend. You know it? Maybe he was on his way home from a long business trip and he was, he was on his way back to his family. Maybe he was meeting a potential client and hoping to lock in a lucrative business deal. I don't know. But I do know that going to, Jer- to Jericho was what he wanted. So he's going where, where he wanted, when he wanted, at the pace he wanted, for reasons he wanted. When all of a sudden he came upon a man who had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. He came upon someone who needed help. And what did he do? The Samaritan called timeout, timeout, timeout. He put his trip on hold. He put his schedule changed. Everything changed. He used his wine, oil and cloth, to treat and bandage the man's wounds. He put the man on his donkey. From that point, you understand, the Samaritan would have to walk. He took the wounded man to an inn, paid for a night's lodging, spent the night caring for the man, gave the innkeeper his credit card number so he could charge whatever he needed to provide the man with adequate care. What did the Samaritan do? He put the wounded man's needs ahead of his own wants. He unselfishly shared his time and resources in an effort to help someone in need. He was absolutely selfless. And why was that? Luke 10, 38 explains it for us. It said that the Samaritan felt compassion for him. When he looked at the man, his heart went out to him. He felt something. The Samaritan loved his neighbor as himself, and according to Jesus, that's what love looks like. Love is selfless. Now, if you were here the past two Sundays, I know what you're asking. Ronnie, what in the world are you sharing this story with us for? What is this about? For those of you who don't know, we're currently in a sermon series that revolves around the life of David. We recently looked at a story from David's life that was dark and very disturbing. David knew that some really bad things were going to happen to the citizens of a little town called Nob. But rather than forewarn them, David chose to remain silent. And as a result, the entire town was murdered. How in the world could David have done something like that? Last week, we took our Bibles and we came to understand that at that moment, David acted selfishly. He put his wants ahead of the needs of all those people in the town. And when he did, he made a terrible decision. He chose to withhold the truth from people who desperately needed to know the truth. And from this little story, we've learned a very sobering lesson, and that is that somebody will pay for our silence. Over the past two Sundays, we've been reminded that we're Christ messengers. All of us are supposed to be telling others about Jesus. Unfortunately... Most of us messengers have gone silent. Week after week, we, like David, are choosing to withhold the truth from people who desperately need to know the truth. Last week, we took a hard look at ourselves and admitted that the problem is probably selfishness. Selfishness 
is probably the source of our silence. Last Sunday, I promised that I would tell you what it would take to break the silence. I know what, I know what many of you have been thinking. I know what it's going to take, Ronnie. Bible knowledge. I, I, if I'm going to start talking to people about Jesus, I've got to know more about the Bible. So for me, it's going to be an increased amount of Bible knowledge. Others, let me tell you what you're thinking. I'll tell you what, if I'm going to start speaking for Jesus, I need some training. Ronnie, I'm going to have to have some how-tos if this is what I'm going to be doing. So somebody needs to train me, teach me how to do this. That's it, Ron. More Bible knowledge and training is exactly what we're going to need to break the silence. I don't think that's the solution to Golden Corner Church's silence. In the 21 years that I've been preaching at Golden Corner Church, I've absolutely preached this subject to death. There's no topic that I've taught on or preached on more than our mission. We've defined it. We've looked at it from the east, west, north, and south. We've broken it down into pieces and put it back together right before our eyes. We've looked at every nuance, every detail of the mission, and I've given you, you know, intricate instruction on just how to go about winning your neighbor to Christ and how to disciple them in the faith. Beverly, if I had a $5 bill for every time I've preached on this subject, I'd go to the truck lot tomorrow and buy me a brand new truck and probably pay cash for it. I've worn it out. In many ways, I feel that I see our church in the story I just told you. Sadly, I feel that I see us in the priest and the temple assistant. These two men knew God, and they knew the Bible. They knew what to do, and they knew how to do it. But in spite of this, these two men looked at a hurting man right in the eye and selfishly kept right on walking. They could have helped the man, but they didn't. They should have helped the man, but they didn't. Why not? For whatever reason, they just did not want to. For the most part, I believe this, if you've been at Golden Corner Church any length of time, you know what to do. And you know how to do it. But for some reason, guys, and I'm not throwing a blanket over, we've got some folks in the church that do this. I know that. But I think for the most part, we're a congregation of believers who know what to do and know how to do it, but just find ourselves repeatedly not doing it. Why not? Uh, we just don't want to. That is what it kind of boils down to. We just don't want to. And in my opinion, more Bible knowledge and more how-tos just won't fix that. What's the solution for a real lack of want to? I think we saw the solution in the story I just told you. The third man to come upon the wounded traveler was a Samaritan. I doubt that he had the Bible knowledge or the spiritual training the two men who preceded him had. Yet he stopped what he was doing and unselfishly helped 
a hurting person. The Samaritan wanted to help the man. The priest and temple assistant did not. Where did the want to come from? The Samaritan felt compassion for the man. The priest and temple assistant did not. Love made the difference. The Samaritan's want to came from love. Selfless love. Love is the antidote for selfishness because love is selfless. Now, here's the big, here's the big lesson for go to going to church. You ready? Man, take this home with you. If selfishness is the source of our silence, love is the solution for our silence. Because love is selfless. You got it? If selfishness is the reason we've clammed up, And we've gone silent. Love is the solution for that selfishness. Now, in a lot of that lesson, what do you think we need to do? Here's my encouragement. Two steps. Ready? One, love God. Got it? Love God. How should we love God? I tell you what Jesus said. You ought to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what that means? It means you love Him supremely. You love Him more than anybody else. You love Him more than anything else. He is the center of your affection. You love Him more than anyone or anything. And and, and Jesus said, that's the way you're supposed to love God. Why love God? Because love can't be silent. Love can't be silent. Is this true? Whomever we love, uh, we talk about. We love our kids. We love our grandkids, don't we? And so when, it doesn't take long. We're in a conversation, right, Ronnie? It doesn't take long, and what are we doing? We're talking about the kids. We're talking about the grandkids. Why? Because we love them, and love can't be silent. Man, we're not far from the kickoff of Clemson football season, are we, huh? I know what that means for me on an average work week. I'll come in, and, and I've got to listen to Scott Lee talk about Clemson football all week long. <laughs> Dabo this, dabo that. Tigers this, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on. He can't help himself. You know why? Scott Lee loves Clemson football. I know what Scott's thinking. He's already, he's already gone online to find out the first Duke basketball game, November 6th, by the way. And he knows this is what's going to mean for me. Ronnie's coming in. It's going to be Coach K this, Zion Williamson that. The player, by the way, that chose Duke over Clemson. Zion Williamson this. Blue Devils, Blue Devils, blah, blah, blah. He never shuts up. Why, man, I love Duke basketball. Here's the deal. If you love something... You'll know it because you'll talk about it. If you love someone, you'll know it because you talk about them. This is it. If we love God more than anything, it will show up in our conversation. We won't be able to keep ourselves from talking about Him. You know what? If, if this happened tonight, if every Christian man, woman, student, child in Oconee County loved God as much as they loved sports, loved God as much as they loved hunting and fishing, loved God as much as they loved golf, 
loved God as much as they loved recreation, loved God as much as they loved pleasure, loved God as much as they loved money, things, success. If we loved God as much as we loved everything else, the devil would break camp tonight in Oconee County and take his business somewhere else. Because he would know there is a wave of the gospel about to hit this county and I don't have an antidote for it. So we're going to love God, right? Let's, just, let's go to the heart of, what a pro, of our problem. We're going to love God. Second, I'm going to, we're going to love people. How? As we love ourselves. We're going to love them selflessly, which means that we're going to be willing and we're going to, in practice, sacrifice our, some of our wants so that they can have some of their needs. You say, why are we going to do this? Because love won't be silent. This is what I think happens to us every day. I believe every day, that we, that as, we, as we walk through the course of a day, we probably encounter someone just like this man that Jesus talked about. Somebody been beaten up by the world. Somebody been robbed by the devil. Somebody dying with no hope. I believe we encounter them. If not every day, most days of our lives. You know what they need? They need Jesus. Jesus can heal those wounds. Jesus can restore what was taken. Jesus can give them life and a better life, and we know that. They need him. But to find him, they need something first. They need someone to tell them about him. And love will not withhold from someone what they need when it's within our power to grant it. Love won't be silent. You and I have the message. We're the ones who know. If we really love somebody selflessly, I promise you this, we will break our silence and for their sakes, we will tell them about whom they really need. What's it going to take to break the silence? Love God. Love people. And the silence will be broken. Jesus was asked this question one time. What are, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's a second just like it, love your neighbor yourself. And this is what he said. Now get this. He said, if you, if you make it your life purpose to just obey those two commandments, just do those two, uh, everything else takes care of itself. Everything else just takes care of itself. I believe I'm coming to learn that when it comes to sharing the good news of Christ, and talking to other people about Him, I believe this, that if we would just love God supremely and love others selflessly, then when it comes to witnessing, evangelizing, reaching out, whatever you want to call it, everything else will just fall right into its place if we truly love God and we love people. So here's your homework assignment. You ready? Everybody ready? Uh, Go love God supremely and go love others selflessly.
Got it? <laughs> you see, I've, all week, I've known I'm coming to that point. And this is the question that kept coming to me. How do you do that? How do you get there? Folks, can I make an honest confession without you firing me? I need the pay. Now, please don't let me go, but I'm going to make an honest confession to you, okay? I don't know that I'm there. I think there are times I, I'm close. And I think there are times that I drift. I've been saved over, what, about 40 years? So I feel like we've come to an important question. Now, I may be the only one in the room. Am I? Am I the only one? I love God supremely more than anyone. I don't even know what my preacher is talking about. What's wrong with that guy? I love people, all people, all the time. Man, you need to preach next week. So I'm not sure I'm there. But I'm sure of this. I want to get there. Right? I want to get there. Now, you say, Ronnie, how do you get there? I don't have a clue or I'd already be there. <laughs> right? Boy, I can tell you what I'm praying. God, I'm seeing the critical role that love plays in all of this. You gotta show me what I've gotta do. How does a human being get to the point that they love you more than anybody or anything? How do we get to the point that we love people more than we love ourselves? Because I wanna know. And I'll tell you this as soon as I know, I'm gonna tell you. And I'm hoping that it's about this time next week, okay? (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, I just want to start off by saying I'm sorry. Sometimes I get lost in the details and the do's and the don'ts. And I just miss the main thing and the main thing is is love loving you loving people and then just letting love guide us and direct us and carry us along through life I think it's missing in, in me to a great uh, to a great degree I, I think God and I'm I, I think it might be missing from our church to some degree. So here's what I'm praying. That you'll help us become people who love you supremely and love others selfishly, selflessly. Because I think when we get there, we're going to be amazed at how everything else just falls into place. In Christ's name.
Christ. Thank you.